everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for Julyosaurus. Um, but do you think he saw us? Maybe he did see us. Maybe he didn't see us. Maybe he didn't see the massive amount of success which is suddenly happening in and around this ridiculously um, huge dinosaur park which you're controlling. But you're not only controlling it, you are developing it. You know, you don't know if you're taking it to a safe haven. Maybe you're even taking it to um, a ninth haven. We don't even know because joining me, he's not only excited, he's pretty keen. It's Richard Keen, Ninth Haven Games. He's here to talk about the expansion of Dinogenics. It's called Controlled Chaos and it's his second print. And, and he's he's in a pretty good place, aren't you, Richard? I'm in a pretty good place. <laughs> End the podcast. That's it. <laughs> thanks Sounds for, good. Thanks We're done here. <laughs> we don't need to say anything else. <laughs> we um, thanks for coming back on. It's been uh, it, glad to be here. It's been a while, but I mean, let's face it. You have had probably. I don't think. I'm not sure if things could have gone any better for you since we originally spoke um, for Dinogenics. I mean, it it came along, it got fulfilled, it's been hitting, it's been hitting tables. Um, people have had, you know, a really decent amount of things to say about it. You know, people have really kind of been enjoying it. We've played it, we talked about it on the Kickstarter. We got the rules wrong. I'm sure you're hating me for that, but, you know, it's just one of these things. But... How you? I mean, if we talk about Dinogenics first of all, um, the way it ended up, you know, after the first kind of campaign, um, obviously you you kind of cancelled that, and then you got back up again, and you ended up hitting over kind of two hundred. The the first campaign wasn't no, that high. It was it wasn't that high. It was one hundred and forty four thousand. Oh, it was only one hundred and forty four thousand. Yeah, I was looking at kind of mix- only one hundred and forty-four. Only one hundred and forty-four thousand. Kind of mixing up my numbers here because the because this is what I was looking on the first on the first day of the new campaign. You kind of matched that funding, didn't you? You kind of got funded and then they kind of then some. You know, within the first couple of days, you'd already beaten the kind of the fun the total funding that you kind of hit for Dinogenics. But anyway, with that Dinogenics, have you? Has it been like? A kind of a bit of a dream these last kind of 12 months since kind of Dinogenics has been out there and you know it all funded and it's all been produced and ready. I mean has there been kind of little challenges along the way to get 
to get the original kind of first printing of Dinogenics to the table for people. Oh, definitely. Uh, the The first campaign ultimately went very well, very happy with that, but mm-hmm. uh, it was the first project that I had undertaken as far as board game production, and there were a few ups and downs along the way. Uh, probably the biggest thing that we ran into actually came right near the end of it during fulfillment mm-hmm. when uh, we were a little late. Not much. We were about two months later than we had originally estimated. But as a result of that, the shipping rates of everything actually increased. And so we ended up in one of those situations. It's not entirely uncommon for Kickstarters to be in this situation where the amount we actually charged people was not quite enough to fulfill the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So this is, I've seen this in many different Kickstarters. Um, I've seen how not to do it, which is you go to your backers and you're <laughs> basically begging them for f- more money, which thankfully, um, you know, even though it was successful, we didn't make a ton of money from the first run, but we made yeah. enough money that we could cover the cost of uh, the, the the shipping uh, disreferency without too much of a problem. But that wasn't something that we really wanted to run into that close to the finish line. Yeah. So when that happened, it was kind of a, a low point. Um, thankfully, though, uh, despite that, we didn't really run into too many problems uh, fulfillment after that. Uh, Europe itself... Um, this may have affected you a little bit, uh, was a little bit later than we had anticipated as well. Uh, we were uh, expecting most packages to go out early in the month, and an awful lot of them did go out towards the end of the month. But a delay of a couple weeks, I would I, say, is not too bad. I don't kind of have an I don't kind of have an issue with that or getting out the kind of the pitch, you know, the kind of the pitchforks. I knew it was coming. At the end of the day, you guys. In terms of how you kind of handled the continued um, communication, it was, and was it you and was it Chris um, that kind of did he did they work alongside you with the the first project? But I remember the communication was always kind of really really good, and you're always on the ball. And I think I only ever have an issue speaking for myself with fulfillment if if people go really really quiet. <laughs> And aren't saying anything at all. So for you to say, oh, it was a couple of weeks, kind of. I know there would maybe be people who'd be like, oh, that's disgraceful. But there'd be few and far between because your communication was always kind of, um, it was very decent. And it was always, you know, always we always kind of felt informed. So when it was going to be a couple of minutes, a couple of weeks late, it was like, yeah, well, it's, I got other games to play. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm sitting here with a clean, a clean kind of shelf of games that I haven't played <laughs> in my collection kind of thing. You know, it'll kind of, it'll kind of keep. Um, when it got out to the, the kind of the first backers and they were kind of playing it, um, were you kind of hovering over every single bit of feedback you could see to see what the actual backers Kind of thought of it then. Oh, oh yeah. To be, be to be honest, I was terrified. Like those those oh, yeah. first couple weeks of backer impressions. Um, this is just something that goes along with anything that's in a creative field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 
you see both the positives and the negatives, but it's always the negatives that stay with you. And thankfully, there weren't that many of them, but any time one would come up, it would be like I would be drawn to that <laughs> impressions thread or something like that. And it's like, uh, it doesn't matter how many positive uh, threads or feedback you're getting, it, it's always the negatives that hang over you. Yeah. But uh, I would say that overall, like, initial reception was very good. And after that first couple weeks, you know, that, that kind of starts to blur together and you kind of see the big picture as opposed to the individuals. And it's kind of nice to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, let's talk about the other dinosaur in the room, you know, Dinosaur Island, which kind of came up at the time of the campaign. And I've got both games and they both play kind of completely, you know, they do play kind of completely, completely differently um, in terms of how how they kind of play kind of all together. Um, what I found with your game was there, it seemed to be, and I mentioned this on the podcast, there seemed to be an awful lot more cohesion to it as in everything kind of gelled together in terms of you dealing with the central island everything kind of moved within it seemed to be a lot kind of more kind of connected to kind of to me I mean were you did you get a did you did you see kind of feedback direct with people still making kind of comparisons between the two games or once it had landed had people kind of forgotten about the the dinosaur island kind of thing altogether Oh no, like even even today mm. people are still discussing the similarities <laughs> between the two games. And when I say similarities, it usually is uh largely skin deep. Yeah. Uh, people say the theme, they they see that, but aside from the fact that you're running a dinosaur park in both of them, they are very different types of experiences. Yeah. 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 But I mean, all in all in all, I mean, the people that I've heard who have been playing it, they've been very positive and kind of, you know, they be, they have been positive and kind of like the feedback that they've given. So was it based on the feedback that you had when it was positive? Is that what made you decide to go back to come back for the second printing as well as just the kind of the expansion? Uh, I think anytime you return the Kickstarter uh, doing only, only the expansion would have been a mistake because, mm. you know, it, it does work as a promotional piece as well. Um, it's going to attract new attention, and anybody that did miss out on it the first time around, they're going to want an option to jump in on it. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. And did you, um, as part of the kind of the campaign, you've got the kind of the, you've got the choice of going for like control chaos, but you've also got the the kind of the the upgrade pack as well. Yes, so the upgrade pack is something that uh, I when I was talking about the game and the second printing mm. uh, on Board Game Geek, I'm very I'm a large part of the community. Well, not a large part of the community. <laughs> I participate in the community frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just in general conversation there, I would bring up some small changes that are uh, carried over to the new edition of the game. Mm-hmm. And one thing that would always come up is people 
requested an option to get these changes. Yeah. Now, on the whole, the, uh, there isn't that much that's new in the the second printing of the game. I don't want to get called uh, caught calling it a second edition because it's really not. Yeah. It is just a second printing. Uh, but there, the, the biggest difference is in the rule book, which is something that we did receive a bit of criticism. Mm. Uh, after the first Kickstarter, so we hired somebody to completely rewrite our rulebook. It reads better. It also looks a lot better than the first edition did, and yeah. that's that's really the biggest difference. But there is a couple small balance changes uh, to a couple cards, so we threw those in there as well for the upgrade pack. Uh, if you don't have them, it's not going to break the game. Yeah, uh, but. They're, they're little edge case scenarios where uh, two of the manipulation cards were either a little bit underpowered or a little bit overpowered, depending on when you got them in the game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much the extent of it. Okay. Has the, is the feedback for the upgrade kit, has it been kind of quite positive then? That people went, yeah, I definitely kind of need this. Um, rather than kind of pushing people to, if they wanted to kind of get these fixes, they had to buy essentially the second kind of printing of the game. It's a little mixed, to be honest. Mm. Uh, there's a little bit more negativity in it than I was really expecting, because the whole point of offering the upgrade kit was to give people an out to give the uh, get these components that, you know, you you don't want to rebuy a whole game yeah. just to get a couple fixes. Uh, so it was really, you know, I wanted to include that, but some people do feel that uh, we should have thrown them in the uh, expansion box as well. Of course, the reason we didn't do that, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, there is a certain degree of cost associated with doing that, yeah. but the main component of the upgrade kit is the new manual, which physically doesn't fit in the controlled chaos box. <laughs> So, yeah, it's... You end up cutting up in half or something like that. (laughs) Then they would need to get a a third edition that had, like, glue that you could (laughs) put it back together. That's not a bad business model. If you can get, like, 25 (laughs) 25 bucks, you could keep doing that for, you know, ages. Let's face it, that's kind of Apple's business model. (laughs) Kind of here, have something that doesn't, you know, eventually it doesn't kind of work and then you have to go for the next version. So there's maybe potentially something in there. I don't know if the wrath of the Kickstarter crowd. um, I I feel like that would make me unpopular very fast. (laughs) I think think that would be potentially like you just contacting people and saying, go and just give us more money so we can ship here something (laughs) which we didn't kind of work out what the the costs were for anyway. Um, In terms of in terms of the effect on you on your day-to-day life, I mean, has it had... Obviously, there's the positive sides of things where you obviously you got the game funded and you got the game funded and then some. But with this campaign, has the success of this current campaign, did that... Has that kind of taken you kind of did that take you by surprise or were you quietly confident when it kind of seriously kind of smashed the funding goal almost immediately when it was launched? So it, it has taken me by, by surprise. Uh, I was 
Uh, modesty aside, I was expecting it to do better than the first campaign, mm-hmm. but then we we basically doubled my expectations of what it was going to do. So it was not only better than what I was expecting, it was twice as good as I was expecting over the entire <laughs> length of the campaign. So at this point, I'm I'm just kind of in awe of what has happened. Is it? I mean, is is this? Does this change your plans at all for what you're going to do next? I mean, is this you? Have you now? Do you have? Do you get the opportunity then to sit down and say, right, okay, is this a chance for us to do something, something more with? The company, you know, are are you are you are you now looking at saying, well, could we go into games design in a more kind of part time kind of basis? Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely ignorant to the fact that I know that even on the biggest Kickstarter kind of success rates, you know, especially around about kind of your area, once you're reaching kind of two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars, that doesn't mean you've all of a sudden got you know, $300,000 in your bank account, it means you've got $300,000 minus the 10% that Kickstarter will ever take. Then you've got everything else to take into consideration. So even on something, you know, if you're doing like $300,000, you're lucky if you kind of make any money at all off the back of that, you know, based on kind of like what happens during the kind of the manufacturing process. But at the same time, are you having kind of quiet conversations with yourself about the direction that maybe Ninth Haven could go in then? Sure, uh, absolutely. The The big thing is uh, the, the first Kickstarter was successful, but as you said, uh, Kickstarter and other fees, manufacturing costs, mm-hmm. do take the majority of the funding. And after the first campaign, I'll be up front, it wasn't enough to necessarily make a career out of it at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very much a side side job that just happened to take as much time as a regular <laughs> job, but it was a side job. Um, with the success of this Kickstarter, though, it's still not to the point where you know it's smooth sailing ahead, Yeah. but I will say it's a lot closer. And while uh, there are a couple other games that are in the works for Ninth Haven games, the success of this Kickstarter does mean that focusing on them is going to be a much more realistic prospect. Do you want it to be full-time? I mean, If I could do it full-time, yeah. I absolutely would. Yeah, because I know, I know some people who kind of like, they like the ability to be able to dip in and dip out Kind of get they get sure. to the point where it's kind of like it does become a career thing, but then it's a case of well, in order for this to be, I've got to be successful all the time. At least you know once or twice a year, I've got to be running kind of a campaign after a campaign. But I mean, with Dynagenics, did you did that get into distribution as well? I mean, were you able to get that into kind of retail things too? Oh, not not at all. Uh-huh. Uh, the the truth of the matter is Dinogenics is <laughs> one of the most expensive games on the market, yeah. despite the fact that it has no miniatures. Wow. Um, I have been contacted by numerous publishers at this point that are 
super excited to want to make their own copies of the game. Mm-hmm. They want to carry it in their markets. Mm-hmm. And then I send the manufacturing quote, and they they very respectfully shut the door. Right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... When the first Kickstarter was coming out, I really wanted it to be as you know, polished as it possibly could be. And I really threw everything we had into making it that way. And as a result, uh, it has many deluxe components and they're not cheap. (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, let's face it. The, the, most of the boards on there are kind of, they're double, you know, um, they're double kind of depth on there. You know, you've got, you know, pretty much everything, the board's, a size and a half. I mean, even everything from like the card quality to, I mean, you've got, you've gone through the thing of making individual dinosaur meeples that actually look like the dinosaurs that they represent instead of kind of very, very generic looking ones. So there, you know, you've got that when you see it on the table, um, you can tell what the dinosaurs that the different people kind of have when they're playing and it just added that extra thing to the theme and again I'm kind of you know more than aware that the more you kind of have a diverse set of components on the table how much more that's that's kind of kind of going to cost um is there a chance it's going to go to retail or is it going to be I mean are you looking at alternatives to lower the cost components or are you just saying no I need to maintain the level of quality that I have so at this time it's going to be largely Kickstarter mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there there have been a couple talks with a couple different publishers that were interested in doing like a non-deluxe version of the game but at this time nothing is really moving on that front just because of how much the game would have to be reduced yeah um i i won't say that it'll never happen but it will not happen probably before the kickstarter delivers (laughs) i'll say that much (laughs) right okay that's not a no then richard i'm not but that's not a yes either it's very ambiguous answer by the way it's very ambiguous i don't even know that (laughs) i don't even know if i like that answer to be perfectly honest um But the- I, I will say this: I am open to the possibility of there being a cheaper version on the market, but based on the way things are right now, mm. it is not in the near future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's continual rising costs you got to take into consideration. There's the the potential of these fantastic kind of tariffs, kind of that we're going to come in as well. That we're going to cause a lot of headaches for a lot of people as well so you got to take that into consideration how i mean for those who i mean it's a heavy box as well i mean retail wise what would you be looking at in terms of a of a price if somebody was buying it at retail what were you was it a hundred dollars was it 120 dollars was it 79 dollars so every time i speak with a publisher they always give me roughly the same number right. which is if we were to sell the game uh-huh. at the cost that it's manufactured at, yeah. it would be about $120 at retail. Wow. That's a gloom haven. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, and that's, but then that's the kind of the quality of the, the kind of the components. But anyway, that's not beside the point. Have you run out of stretch goals yet? Uh, we're not out of stretch goals yet, but we did hit a lot of the big ones that we had planned, like during mm. that very first three days. Which, um, at this point, we are we still have we have a couple goals that we thought that were too ambitious for the project. Yeah, we we looked into them with our manufacturer, had them spec'd out, and when we saw the price quote, <laughs> it was basically okay. That's great. That's not happening. We're just gonna sh- but <laughs> shut the door on it now. Now that funding has gotten to the point where it is, those ridiculous over-the-top stretch goals do start to become a reality. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's there's still a little bit of content on the horizon for sure. Did you were you conscious of kind of keeping stuff at the back to use as kind of stretch goals, or would because because you kind of strike me as the type of person that you've given us the dinogenics and you've kind of not held back on that. You don't strike me as the type of person who would say, right, here's a really excellent part of the game that I'm potentially going to gate behind a stretch goal and then it's going to be basically crap if people don't play it with this particular kind of addition kind of thing. Would you prefer people to have everything that you kind of have envisioned for the game then? Uh, Very much so. That's actually something that I I try to hold uh, like a core core belief of the game, not a core belief, but core mm-hmm. aspect of the game is I don't, I generally don't like stretch goals that add content, because there's basically one of two prospects for this. Uh, either it was something that was cut out of the game, which isn't fair to yeah. backers, yeah. or it's something you haven't tested, which means throwing it into the game isn't necessarily a positive. Yeah. Now, with Controlled Chaos, there is a little bit of an exception here because uh, I don't know if you followed the most recent stretch goal, but it does actually add new dinosaurs to the game. Yeah. Uh, these were a separate subset that was actually in testing for quite a long time. However, the cost associated with them was so high. And they were kind of a... They weren't a core dinosaur. They're basically like a, a little additional dinosaur that can, you can pick up to add a little bit more diversity mm-hmm. and uniqueness to your park. Mm-hmm. So basically, when we were specking out the cost of the game, we looked at the the cost of these particular dinosaurs, and the, the cost ratio just wasn't there for what the component offered at the time. Uh, these were not, as I said, a core dinosaur of the game. So that was something that was ultimately cut out of the game. Uh, and it went back into balancing after that, just to make sure that taking these elements out of the game didn't break anything. That's very important when you do remove something. But now that we have this opportunity to add them back in, I think it does make for a much more... Uh, thematic and flavorful experience for the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has it been? Um, has it been easier kind of getting media coverage, kind of rocking up to people and saying, "Hey, do you want to? Do you want to have a chat about our game?" Because I noticed that you've got like, you've got um, 
you got your 90 second there, but you've got Mr. Vassal doing a little video on Dynagenics. So we, we do. We we have real reviews this time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I wasn't just you kind of like different disguises kind of standing in front of a video screen going, buy the game, it's great. Um you've you know, you've actually got I mean, was that was it kinda easy to get Tom to kind of cover it at the time, or you know, was it a lot of kind of like, well, we'll send the game off, we'll put in a nice little note, and we'll wait and see if he, you know, if he's interested in kind of covering it at all. So this was actually kind of funny. Uh, that uh, the the Dice Tower crew received the copy of Dinogenics during a live uh, feed they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they. I, I should know the name of their segment, but it's basically uh, Tom does an unboxing video during a live segment. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be that um, uh, we had sent a copy of the game in the only box large enough to ship it to them, which happened to be a Home Depot box. Uh, I don't know if you have a Home Depot uh, where you are, but it's basically a... uh, warehouse tools store yeah yeah so this has nothing to do with games but the box was big enough so that's what we shipped it in and they opened this during uh a live uh showing that they were doing opened it on the middle of the table took the game out and like they had no idea what the game was but they cracked open the box and the, the general assessment is this looks pretty cool yeah so after that um it seemed like an eternity because uh, they they said they were going to review it, but it was two or three weeks after that fact before a video actually went up. Whoa. So this just put all kinds of doubts into my mind about what they were eventually <laughs> just, going to say about it. It's just, but <laughs> just Tom Vassal just walking away from a dumpster fire, going send send there, send there. As he's fanning the flames with his hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, the, the review was very positive, which made me ecstatic. And uh, yeah, that's that's the history of the review. <laughs> but, I mean, has this made it easier for you to kind of kind of develop, kind of get some noise going for Control Chaos then? Or, oh, absolutely. Yeah? The, the big thing... Uh, Basically, the first time uh, it was on Kickstarter, it was difficult to get anybody to take a look at the game. Like, we we had uh, some paid previews for the first Kickstarter, which yeah. I, I, I hate doing paid previews, but it was the only way to get video coverage of the game at that point. Yeah. And during the Kickstarter, I made it very clear that they were paid previews. Like, obviously, you don't hide that stuff. Uh, but when that was the only avenue of getting coverage, it is frustrating because as a first-time developer, you, you're you limited in your resources as far as getting people to talk to you or even getting people to take a second glance at what you're producing. But yeah. this time around, like people have received the game, it's been all over social media. Uh, one benefit of having a horribly overproduced game is that it photographs very well in social media so 
you know, people see photos of the the dino meeples on the boards and they want to know what that is. I'd like to point out, right, me saying it was horribly overproduced, right? <laughs> yeah, that was in a private chat where you asked for some direct feedback and I don't appreciate you bringing this out into the public, all right? I really like the game. I can I can delete that episode now where I say I like the game, okay? So if you don't mind, thanks kind of thanks kind of very 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 much. Um, and t- I mean joking aside though, um, I mean this could this could hit some even kind of bigger figures. Are you are you looking to do something different now? Are you looking at moving away from the dinogenics? Do you feel now that maybe the next step is to say, right, okay, yeah, Ninth Haven, we don't want to be known as the the dinogenics people. We want to be known as, you know, a, a kind of a, I guess, a kind of a board game design company. And are you are you now looking at the next thing that you're going to kind of bring to people's tables already? Sure. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, there are a couple different games in the works. Mm-hmm. One will definitely be uh, hitting the public uh, viewscape sooner than the others, but it really is to the point where with Controlled Chaos, I feel like Dinogenics is more or less complete. Yeah. Uh, I can't say that I'll never go back to it if I have some great idea to add a expansion that increases some element of it. But for now, uh, I, I do consider it a complete product with Controlled Chaos. So for the future, I the, the plan is to branch out to some other areas, for sure. Are you going to do like a bigger game than Gloomhaven then, seeing as you're heading for the $120 kind of price point? Anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the next game will not be in the hundred and twenty dollar price. It's going to be like a little light card game or something like. That. <laughs> You're going to do like, and now it's going to be produced in conjunction with Button Shy, Ninth Haven Games, eighteen card game, all about I don't know, you know, um, rolling barrels down a hill. There you go, kind of, kind of thing. But, um, I, I mean, are you? Are you kind of thinking, I mean, is there kind of like, are we, are we looking at something kind of completely different for the next game? You know, hear me fishing uh, for clues? The next game is very kind of different. Uh, don't, it's, don't, it's, you don't have to tell me, it's fine. I'm just a nosy Scottish guy, don't worry about it. I mean, if it's different, then that's fine, we can wait. You're building up tension now. It's like doing the third series of um, a popular show, maybe like Stranger Things. Is it a Stranger Things type <laughs> game, Richard? It is not a Stranger <sighs> Things type oh, well, game. That's fine then, because it's a rubbish show anyway. Um, ooh, um, but no, I mean, but for yourself, I mean, is this overall, is this helped with your designer confidence kind of going forward? You know, because you took a uh, big risk with Dinogenics. I, I, I think going forward, I have a much better idea of how to structure a game that mm-hmm. will appeal to people without uh, throwing in the the added bling, but I I do like thematic games. I do see that being a cornerstone of games that Ninth Haven Games produces. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really like the idea of cutting corners to save cost. If something 
does make the game better and more fun to play, I I would absolutely, you know, go in that direction. Uh, no, I mean, I think when it's open in the box, and this is like, when we put it on the table in front of people that haven't played it, they end up, it becomes a very, very tactile experience, if you know what I mean. Yep, It's absolutely. not, you know, people end up picking up the player boards because they're you know, they're, they're, they're dub- the double thickness, the, you know, the, ind- the indents on them. I'll get the terminology for what that board is at some point. You're you're just not telling me, so you can laugh at me behind my back later on. But anyway, but when they were kind of going through picking up everything from the, the worker meeples to the dinosaurs, people were actually picking up the components and going, you know, they were actually kind of looking at the quality, checking them out, kind of comparing them and kind of contrasting them, which I thought was, like, really quite kind of cool. And... I see the balance. People try to balance kind of cost versus the kind of the quality or how thematic that you want to get. So it's kind of it's kind of and I'm 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 intrigued to see the direction that you go next and whether you're going for something as thematic or if there's a part of you that says, well, hold on, do we hold off and maybe look at how we can get some ninth even games into kind of distribution at the same at the same time. Yeah. Sure. Uh, for the next game, for sure, it's going to be a thematic experience. Mm-hmm. It's not thematic in quite the same way. Right. Uh, part of, you know, doing Dinogenics is everybody everybody knows Jurassic Park. Yes. And it, you can capture that very easily. For the next game, the, the theme is not quite as prominent in people's minds, but... Uh, I do find that theme actually goes hand in hand with most of the games I enjoy, and for that reason, I of course am going to make it a large part of the game going forward. Have you been playing anything kind of recently that's kind of you've been enjoying? So it's funny talking about thematic games and things like that. Uh, one of the most recent games that I got to the table was Nemesis, uh, which you might be familiar with. Yes. Uh, yes. A very thematic game. Uh, maybe maybe is as similar to the Aliens franchise <laughs> as Dinogenics is to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's face it, you don't want Steven Spielberg rocking up at Gen Con and asking to play Dinogenics because he, he might have a couple of questions, but... You know, there you go. Um, but yeah, I've heard Nemesis is um, high tension and backstabby and can be quite, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, but it can also be it a is, lot of, why the hell did you kill me, you mad alien infested nightmare that you are, kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. In fact, the last time we were playing, I got the secret objective that was basically land the ship in Mars and kill everyone. Wow. Which did not go over well, I wouldn't say it didn't go over well, but people were annoyed that I kept missing messing with the nav computer. But, you know it <laughs> happened. As it turns out, I was the only one not to win that game because I could not complete my objectives. Oh, but good. even when you fail in that game, it's it's a fun experience. So I think I think that's kind of the testament of a, a really good game is if you can lose horribly yes. and still have fun doing it, then it's a good game. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I've, I've um, yeah, I've kind of been indulging a bit in kind of Wildlands, which is a very, very simplistic kind of skirmish game, and it's kind of, it does okay in the theme type of thing. The production values are very, very high, and it's overall, it's kind of like a pretty much fun game to play. I took delivery of another game which um, looks absolutely stunning um, and I can't really mention until it gets past a certain date which is kind of frustrating but there you go kind of thing which is which we'll be talking about at another time. The most important question though Richard is okay are you going to be digging out the dinosaur costume if you get fully stretched gold? Because I know you got one, because you've sent me photos before of you in the dinosaur costume. I'll, I'll tell you what. No, oh, okay. If if we hit a million dollars, I will do that. <laughs> well, that, that's my promise. Well, <laughs> will you? Um, will you not only do put the costume on? Will you dance uh, to thirty seconds of walk the dinosaur? If we hit a million dollars on Kickstarter, I will do this for you. <laughs> so you have I have that. That's taped evidence. That's going into the evidence file. Yep. EC one oh two. Um <laughs> if, if people want to check out the campaign, we'll give them a link in the show notes to the campaign. But if people want to keep an eye on what Ninth Haven are going to be doing in the future and keep an eye on your good self where do you exist on the internet webs? Uh, on the internet webs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ninth Haven Games. Okay. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Currently, we only use the Dinogenics uh, page for pretty much everything, cool. as it's our only game, but that is simply facebook.com slash Dinogenics. Cool. Excellent. And one more place, you can also go to ninthhaven.com to find our website. And we'll make, as I say, we'll make sure we shall put all of these links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show, um, plus links where you can also buy a dinosaur costume if you want to get involved in the fantastic <laughs> choreograph number, which Mr. Richard Keane is going to be putting on when uh, Control Chaos smashes through the million dollar mark. Um, you heard it here, folks. I'm just saying, get pledging. If you've got one copy, get another couple. I want to see this boy dance. Um, if you want to keep on, if you want to keep now, what we, <laughs> what we're up to, uh, you can go go to the internet webs, search for We're Not Wizards. Um, I'll tell you what. If you reach a million dollars, I'll wear a wizard costume, right? And I'll. <laughs> And I'll dance alongside you, alright? There you go. Maybe we can uh, fly somewhere together there you and go. we can we can film this. It'll be great. That that would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um I'll make sure I have a long beard. Um if you go <laughs> go to the internet search for We're Not Wizards, you'll find us on um all different types of places, worn out faces, bright and early for the daily races on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and 
We've got our blog, which is wearenotwizards.blogspot.com and our website, which is wearenotwizards.com and you can find us on the various podcast catchers which have got the word pod or the word cast in them and ones that don't like Spotify and Stitcher and Spreaker and there's people keep telling me more of them so this joke's wearing thin. If you like us very much, you can do a couple of things. Tell other people about us because that's the only way that our virus spreads throughout the world. Um and we must be stopped. And the second thing you can do is you can go into Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a rating or a review. So if you drop us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us um, big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us something like a five because it's in the middle and it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Mr. Richard Keane. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, th- there's only two more things to do. First thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Richard? W- would it be bad if I said I was a wizard? Well, you know, if you hit a million, I'll be one as well, so it'll be fine. Um, and <laughs> There you go. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Richard. Say goodbye, Richard. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, uh, make something awful, and uh, check out this Kickstarter because I like Dynagenics and uh, I got a feeling you will too. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never linked. precisely when he means to.